Thank you. You are welcome. And we are here to talk about the 19th episode of Star Trek, our 19th episode as well. Tomorrow is yesterday, or Star Trek Fight the Future. (laughs) (laughs) So this episode is a lot of firsts. It is the first time travel episode that we have seen. It is... Uh, I would debate that. There was that episode earlier in the season where they got thrown back in time three days. Uh, interestingly, that episode was The Naked Time, which was originally, this episode was originally meant to be the second Mm -hmm. parter in a two-part episode beginning with The Naked Time. That was going to be a question I had. (laughs) That's answered now. (laughs) Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, because when you see the end of The Naked Time, you're like, okay, who cares that we've gone back in time? That has nothing to do with anything. And we start this episode seemingly after a terrible event that has happened, and we're just kind of thrust into it, which I actually thought was quite clever. Yes. But knowing that it was supposed to be the second partner of the Naked Time both makes sense and then also makes no sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay, what else was this the first part? It is also the first episode, and I think maybe even the last, that takes place on Earth. In original series. Yeah. No? No. It's definitely the when first. When have we been on Earth? Oh, it's the first one that takes place on Earth, but not the last. Oh, tell me an episode that happens on Earth well, in their five-year mission. I don't actually know if um, there's another one, but it is. It fight is me, first. guys. We've got... Fight um, me. Fight me. Shh, let me think. I know the name. Guardian of Forever episode takes place on Earth. Oh, oh. Is that, um, is that the one with the cast? No. Guardian of Forever. Okay, then three. The Guardian of Forever is... um with a cat? Yeah, and then Operation Annihilate. Yeah. That takes place on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the Guardian of Forever one? We're recording it in like six weeks. What is it called? I don't uh, remember. But it's Guardian of the Edge of Forever? Yeah, City yeah. on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. God. City on the Edge of Forever. Sorry, Kim, I couldn't pass <laughs> what you were saying That's okay. at all. City on the Edge of Forever takes place on Earth. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's Operation Annihilate takes That's place on Earth. That's the one with the shuttle program, yeah. And one with the stupid cat. Yeah, that was Which, a back to pilot. pilot. Yeah. With a cat? We'll get to that when we get to yeah, the cat so was going to have its own yeah. episode. Basically, yeah. That's at least two more that take place on Earth. Mm-hmm. Very well. Then the first that takes place mm-hmm. on Earth. Yeah. Um, you could just edit out that entire conversation. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's also an episode that I thought was very fun. And Kim is going to disagree with me right off the bat because she's been kind of glaring at me um, since we started <laughs> talking when she came through the door when she sat down to have her cup of tea. Yeah, but you I feel like... You thought this was fun? I love this This was episode. charming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, my God. It was a nice romp. Yeah, I it really, was a really space wrong. I mean, my bar for episode enjoyment is already set quite high. When it's a let's send the Enterprise back in time to our crappy present, I'm already predisposed to greatly enjoy the episode. But um, are yeah. you too high? This was <laughs> not good. Oh, this Kim. was boring. It was dull. Nothing happened. It just sort of lay there, going like, ugh, ugh. This is a podcast. <laughs> no one can see me. Just. 
miming somebody laying on the sidewalk, groaning. She's in kind of like a corpse position right kind now. Kind of, yeah. Just yeah. To, to illustrate. I don't understand how you can hate this I at don't, all. I don't hate it. it. I have absolutely no feelings towards it because it was a non-entity. Sounds like she has some definite feelings about yeah. it. It's funny. It's that the Enterprise crew just can't stop kidnapping people. <laughs> and then These once, things just once they kidnap them, they don't know what to do with them. It's like the episode of 30 Rock where Tina Fey's character accidentally kidnaps a baby. <laughs> like one moment she's like, oh, can I hold your baby? And then the next moment she's at home with this baby going, oh. I've had nightmares like that where I've accidentally kidnapped people and then I'm left with like, oh, what do I do with this corpse? Or maybe that was just Wednesday. <laughs> but I thought it was charming and funny. And it had a lot of really good character beats. And um, some deeply, deeply questionable time travel mechanics. <laughs> which made little to less My than problem no is sense. not the time travel mechanics. It's the apparent time travel amnesia. Which is never commented upon. Or... Ta- oh yeah. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because it's it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, you had the next hour or so to convince me. I don't know Let's if you did. Like, on. Kim, you hate the lighthearted episodes. Like, you hated the one which was essentially Enterprise in Wonderland. Yeah, and I had some of the same problems with this one, mostly stemming from the music cues being like, isn't this hilarious? And he's like, no. Wacky hijinks. I love a good wacky hijinks. Me too. I think I love a good wacky hijinks as long as it's not accompanied by wacky hijinks music who's screaming at me, isn't this hilarious? I didn't get that. I don't know. I think we need to like tone it down to about 1967 Mm -hmm. where television was not as subtle as it is now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't like the light light hearted episodes, but I just thought this sort of just was nothing. It meant nothing. It did nothing. Said nothing. I think it, it was it, just there. I think if we had to choose a theme for this episode, other than if you kidnap someone, you should probably have an end game. <laughs> is that we don't know what any one individual's contribution to history, to society, is going to be. Which actually in itself sets up a sort of a precedent for exactly this kind of episode, which Star Trek is known for where a ship from the 23rd or the 24th century with the characters we know and love ends up slingshotted, which, by the way, is the time travel mechanism that Star Trek committed to throughout the entire franchise. Which was a mistake. Um, But, you know, our our fair ship ends up thrown back in time to, you know, interact with the primitive contemporaries of usually whatever time period the show is being filmed in. Yeah. In this case, 1960s. For budgetary reasons, yes. Actually, I think the only every Voyager single did other it. Voyager, Voyager did it. Voyager Next Gen did it. When did Next Gen do it? Uh, I don't think okay, Next, Next Gen didn't go back to they went further back. DS Nine never went back to contemporary. They did. They went a little further they back to original they did, series. They did past and they did. Um, they did nineteen fifties Earth. They did future twenty second century. Yeah, yeah, but like going back, I really enjoy starships going back in time and having to it to interact with the past. I enjoy it in a deep special place in my heart i i like this the thing i liked about this episode was that it i it was definitely like the launching point for all future time travel episodes Mm -hmm, yeah Yeah. and that i definitely see it as like it definitely has a position in track history as the setup for like every single time travel episode Mm -hmm. where you go back in time to a different time period it also sort of establishes a format that gets used over and over again as well so 
I mean, it, it is a little rough around the edges, but this is original Trek, and you sort of have to. I think that the, the only thing missing from this episode of time travel is often they go time travel to do some kind of social commentary mm-hmm. or to explore an issue. Yeah. And or to and, fix something. Or yeah, when they actually tinker Oops. around, then they have to go back and untinker it. Or when Fry goes back in Futurama to have sex with his grandma, so he's actually his own grandfather. Um, but that doesn't happen in this episode. No, there's there's no kind of meaning to the time no, travel, but I like it as a, as a device for just kind of yeah. winky, wink, wink, hijinks. Yeah. But that's why I like Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode starts on an army base. And I want to say it's in Omaha. Yeah. I could be lying. It's Omaha. Right. America. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle. It's very strange because you don't quite know you're in an episode of Star Trek. And if I had been like tuned on, if I had my TV guide, (laughs) my printed TV guide, I'm looking, okay, I have to find my channel and I have to find my time and match it up like some kind of ancient Excel sheet. It's a grid system, Crane. Grids. (laughs) Grids. So if I had done that, I do, but it's not really. Anyways, um, so if I'd gone into the Star Trek and I turned on my television, I would be very confused. Yeah, because I think this is maybe the first episode that has actually started anywhere other than demonstrably the Enterprise or demonstrably futuristic yeah. setting. Yeah, it, it, we're on a, an army base, we're on an Air Force base, yes. actually. Um, and we're seeing Air Force type people, we're seeing some people in an office, and they're listening to, um, they've got a weird signal. Yeah, no, uh, I would like to interject and definitely point out that everyone in the U.S. Air Force had really kicky berets back then. Also cravats. <laughs> they were very fancy I don't and know strangely why. French. I didn't have a chance to look this up because a lot of it, there is a, a sort of a stylistic thing where pilots wear the scarves. But I feel like probably not so much while you're in uniform on base. Now for sure they wear ties. Okay, questionable historical fact. I think that it's not an aesthetic choice why they wore the silks. Scarves. So they don't get choked, isn't it? No, it had something to do with fires, yeah. breathing or something like that. It was, it, it yeah. was specifically chosen as a fabric to yeah. walk around it. But that's when they're flying. Like, when they're on base, for sure now, they wear ties. Or they wear nothing. But these guys had these odd little white... They weren't scarves. They weren't actually cravats. They looked like really loose turtlenecks. So we need to Google 1960s Air Force uniforms. Mm. I Actually, we should just watch the episode of 1969 of Stargate SG-1. Oh, which this episode clearly was the source of a lot of that. It's a classic yeah. time travel. Kim, what was the point of the 1969 episode of Stargate? I do not remember that they had one. What? They go back and they have a road trip. In a Volkswagen. That wasn't the purpose, I was, was going to say, do they have a hippie bus? Uh, yeah, they have a yeah. hippie bus. Well, they get picked Everyone up by a hippie bus. Everyone gets costumes. Yes. Oh, no wonder Jackets, I don't remember. Jackets, do-rag. Do-rag. I remember Daniel in a do-rag. But that was, that was, but that was very similar to this, and it, it's an accident, and the whole point of the episode is to undo the accident. And it wasn't like they went back in time on purpose to fix something. It was, oops. People get flung back in time an awful lot in science fiction. Yeah. They do. Yeah. It's a very enjoyable device. It is. But I, I, I think this must have been confusing as hell to the contemporary audience. Why I, are yeah. we on a military base? Why so many cravats? Why no space? Well, there is some space because they mm-hmm. are on, they have a little blip on their sonar. Radar. Whatever. And that the size and speed make no sense. It appears to have just fell out of the sky and appeared on their radar. Mm-hmm. 
And they got a real UFO on our hands. Okay, the thing that I thought was hilarious about this little section was the two guys. And you've got, there's one guy sitting in the background, like, reading his newspaper. And the other guy who's monitoring everything is like, oh my gosh, there's something weird. And the guy in the background is just like, yup. <laughs> this is really strange. It's not behaving. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and then he's like, this is erratic. It must be a UFO. And the other guy just, like, jumps up. He's like, you're right. It's a UFO. And it's like no interest whatsoever in this guy until it's like yeah and then we bizarre. and then we actually cut to um i think we actually see the enterprise right away and no they have to send the jets yeah up. they scramble the jets and they mm-hmm. send the jets up and we see what the pilots there well one pilot is seeing who get there first and it is the best 60s green screen oh it's glorious it's like do you know those pens that had like something in them yeah like liquid and then you would turn the pen and the thing would go down and yeah, join yeah. the other thing that's what that made me think of that's what this made me think of it looked like they had tied the string yes to yeah, yeah, yeah and it was like angled upwards slightly yeah. and they yeah. couldn't get it to level out yes yeah. so bad it was amazing it made me laugh so hard I everyone who did that must have went home and given themselves a giant pat on the back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at this point i put a note in my notes saying oh boy are we in for a treat <laughs> i wrote i love everything about this in all caps I wrote, the model looks terrible in the sky. Which pretty much sums up all of our personalities, I think. Yep. Yeah, so it's starting 3113.2 approximately. Mm-hmm. How would you even know? They've gone assume. back in time. Yeah. They were supposed to be going back to Starbase 9 to get some supplies. And they kind of were sucked by a black star. And this is interesting. Yes. They call it a black star because this episode was filmed in early 1967. And it wasn't until later 1967 that the term black hole was coined and described. Yeah. That's interesting. I love that. That's very cool. It's it's sometimes so hard to believe that this was filmed in 1967. Yeah. I... And you have to kind of put it in the place in history where they didn't have things like cell phones, which seemed perfectly normal, or mm-hmm. that you could communicate against vast, vast distances without having a landline, or you could shoot lasers out of things. Like, their vision of the future is incredible. Or even just something as simple as having the moon landing in your rearview mirror, which, when they made this episode, they didn't. Because no. this was made in 67. It's set in 1969, yes. which was not intentional because they didn't know yet. They had a rough guess yeah. of when NASA was going to launch yeah. it, but they didn't know, so they yeah. kind of, around 1967 yeah. is the best guess. And um, while we are on the bridge, because everyone is sort of getting up because they've all been dramatically thrown to the floor by whatever time slingshot. Um, oh, no, 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 no. It's more important than that. So they're getting, <laughs> I need to describe this in detail okay, because okay. I'm very confused. <laughs> So, they were getting sucked in by the Black Star. Podcast listeners, if you can imagine my hand. <laughs> it's like a claw. Yeah, okay, and then the Enterprise is my pen. It's getting sucked in by the gravity of the Black Star. So what they did is they put the warp power in reverse, so they backed up, and somehow that is a slingshot effect that put them back in time. I don't sure, understand. why not? Who why cares? not every single time that they reverse, do they not go back in time? I don't know. Why does slingshotting around a star work for time travel like eight more times than Star Trek continuity? I don't try no, to explain. No, the other part is is that if, if you just drive towards the sun really, really fast, though, really, really fast, <laughs> that will also make you go back in time. I don't know. How, how 
how, in the history, how in the history of the entirety of Starfleet has no, like, hot gun student, like, blasted towards the sun and then gone back in time? Well, I, I have no idea. Apparently would, it only happens reliably with I shit's would called Enterprise. totally try it. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, obviously. And it didn't seem like they were going that fast. It was, like, warp seven, I want to say. Yeah. We're going to have to yeah. keep a running tally of how many more time travel episodes are accomplished through slingshotting around the sun. I'd say or in this case, a black hole. Or a magical alien artifact. Or a transporter accident. Do Pro- they go back in time through a transporter the, the DS9 one is they, they transport through... That's all. That's the alternate dimension. Yeah. No, when they go back to San Francisco... Oh yeah, there's some sort of transporter malfunction. There's also, a field of... What is it? Tachyons? Wibbly, no, whatever. No, no. We're also going to have to keep a track of how many times chronotons are involved. Chronotons are my favorite particle of all time. Oh, Chronotons yeah. is in Cronus is in time. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they did whatever, slingshotted Ooh. whatever, however, and uh, got all them out dramatically to the floor as is Star Trek tradition. And um, <laughs> everyone's hair is perfect except perfect. for Uhura's. Yes, which is slightly askew in a dramatic way. It looks cute. Her bangs were adorable in this yeah, episode. She's got mm-hmm. amazing hair in this episode. Oh, so cute. Times. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> the power is sort of flickering and there's minor injuries. Warp engines are fried, or oh, no. at least temporarily. But we don't know that, because no. only if Mr. Scott is still alive. That's the greatest. It's like, we'll be fine as long as Scotty is still alive. Yeah, well, realistically, if Scotty is gone, you're all screwed. We have to That's true all the time. He's the most competent person he on definitely the ship. Is. He is, 100%. And it seems like no one else is in engineering or knows how to do a single thing. Well, not unless he's directly telling them exactly what to do with every step. Apparently. Again, if I was in charge of state Star Trek HR, I would put more than one competent engineer on a ship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy that, is it Kirk or Spock, one of them, like, bodily picks Ophora up off the ground and deposits her in her I chair. I think it's Spock. And we get to see her space underwear. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dance pants. I told you. Spanky pants. Yep. I, for reasons unknown, did not believe you, um, but I definitely saw them there. <laughs> <laughs> they are a yellowish-white. Mm. They were red, and the yellowish-white you saw hanging out was the actual underwear underneath oh. them. Not the space dance pants. Not the space dance pants. So they are apparently in order, orbit around Earth, and they don't notice anything wrong with this right away. Okay, sure, guys. So the shot of Earth is recycled from the episode of Miri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I didn't even notice. Why, oh. why splurge? Yeah. She why? makes everything so much worse. Yeah. Wait, was the episode of Miri, was her planet supposed to have been like, oh, it looks like it looks Earth exactly like her? Yeah. yeah. That was the one, that's like, that was the one where we were screaming because they're flying because it over is Africa. Earth. Yeah. 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 They're yeah. going to North America. But did they say it looked like Earth exactly in the like 60s? I don't think they gave a time, no. That when they beam down, they do. But, yeah. Yeah. Good job, guys. 100% nonsense. Kirk uh, jumps on the PA. Yeah. <laughs> to let everyone know what's up. Yeah. And the warp engines are down. They're orbit over Earth. And... And apparently there's nothing wrong with this. No reason for concern. Um, Spock says, we were heading in this general direction anyway. It's fine. Um, until Uhura tunes into the uh, radio transmissions. Well, she tries to contact Starfleet yeah. Control. Very sensible. Yeah, to let them know, hey guys, we appear to be here, <laughs> but there's no answer. How mysterious. In fact, there is nothing on any of the Starfleet channels. No, but they do tune into like 107.3, 1960s radio of some kind. Old-timey radio, where the guy informs them, ooh, you're back in time. 
Yes, um, and he's talking about the first manned moon shots. The moon shot. Whatever. Um, <laughs> that sounds like yeah. a terrible porn. It, it really does, but they're talking about the first attempt at a moon landing. Yes, they're going to like throw three men up on the on the moon. And it sounds, because they say moon shot, I imagine someone's just like tossing them up. No, I'm once again picturing um, that show from the movie with the, the shooting the thing to the moon oh, and getting yeah, stuck yeah. in the guy's eye, which is the second time Star Trek has put me in mind of that. Um, the broadcast is okay. Here's another fun fact. Um, says that the manned moonshot is going from Cape Kennedy, okay, um, with three astronauts is scheduled for Wednesday. The real Apollo 11 was launched from Cape Kennedy on July 16th, 69, and also on a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, when the episode aired, a lot of people thought that the actual, like, the stated scheduled date was way, way, way too optimistic, and then they wouldn't actually make it until 1970. It's amazing what you can do when you have an industrial, yeah, <laughs> military complex working together for a singular goal. Yeah, yep. yeah. So uh, Star Trek, good job predicting that, or predicting maybe the future. Yeah. Maybe we should take more like future predictions from Star Trek. Yeah. And where's my starship? Oh, we do have tricorders now. We do? Yeah. They, they're called tricorders anyway. What do they do? What do they look Pretty like? Pretty much what real tricorders do. Where do we get one? Yeah. You have to be sciencey, I think. I can scan. It will scan stuff and tell you about it and give Fair you enough. the chroniton readings. Yeah, and... this was five or six years ago. I don't believe this. We're going to have to look this up after You can the Google podcast. it after. We will Google it. We'll Google it so hard. So from this, they essentially determined that they are stuck in a time warp again. I hate you. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, here comes some fighter jets. Ground control to Major Tom. Uh-huh. Just do the rest of this episode in musical clips. <laughs> and there is a jet coming to get them. There's lots of Blackjack, Blue J4, Jack Black, Blue J4. Although um, this one in particular is, I believe, Blue J4. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some very obvious stock jet footage going <laughs> on. Mm-hmm. And... They ask it to describe it. <laughs> oh, God. There's two cylinders, big, long, hard cylinders. <laughs> not what happened, but okay. Oh, you were saying you so much. No. Sweet, sweet cylinder. And, uh, up. Except it sounded like to me when he was describing it, he was describing it backwards. A little bit. Like, or upside down or something. Mm-hmm. If you're looking up at the taint of the Enterprise. Oh, God! Oh, my God! Oh, I quit! I quit this podcast! Um, the, purpose, they, the purpose of them cylinders is undetermined. And they tell the him to bring it down. Yeah, bring it down. Oh, God. Which, at which I wrote LOLOLOL because teeny little 20th century fighter jet versus the Enterprise. That's going to go super well. Isn't the Enterprise also this time like blasting up into a Basically, fire? Basically, yeah. It has impulse engines because it doesn't have warp engines yet. So it's it's going very slowly, but in terms of the jet, it's going very super fast. fast. Yeah. And so on the bridge, Spock is like, well, those guys probably have nuclear warheads and that would be bad for them to use them on us. We yes. would get damaged, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. sure. And so Scotty, who is alive, yay, yay! Um, <laughs> reports back, I, Scotty or Spock, who cares, says, okay, you can use your tractor beams to kind of hold it away from you, like when you're a little kid and someone's trying to take a swap at you and then you put, they your head put their hand in their forehead. <laughs> and so that's the plan, except someone definitely says that this tiny little 
jet thing cannot handle the tractor beam. It'd be too fragile. It would be too fragile. And Kirk goes, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Definitely do that. And then he's shocked. Shocked. Aghast. When the tiny little jet does exactly what Spock said it was going to be. And thus begins a trail of bizarre kidnappings. (laughs) Well, it's a short trail, too. Well, they just can't help themselves. Yeah, because the the jet's breaking up, and so they have to beam him aboard. Because the alternative is just, I don't know, to just let him die. Let him die. Well, why don't they beam him back down to the ground? That's much easier to explain. Why bring him on to the Enterprise? They can beam anyone from anywhere. and Because I don't think they had yet worked out that thing they do later in Next Jam where you beam in one place, don't let them fully materialize, and then send them on to somewhere else, maybe? Okay, here's my alternate plan. <laughs> you can beam him on to the Enterprise. Uh, fine, but before you do, you have someone waiting on the pad behind with, like, a blindfold. A baton. <laughs> or Spock to nerf pinch him. Or black Ooh. bags put over their head. Yeah, any Just of these. Just to make it a real kidnapping. Any of these options. That was clean. It's an important message about Maylee watching uh, Murder, She Baked. (laughs) Is that a a real show? Because I would definitely watch that. Murder, She Baked, a peach cobbler mystery. (laughs) Okay. We can just cut all this out. (laughs) Or not. Anyways, so, and then as soon as he materializes, either, like, hit him on the head or put a bag over his head or drug him or pinch him, is that Kirk marches over and says... By himself. Hey, hey. Kirk gives him the most obvious up, down, once over sexy look I think I have seen on this show. And we've seen a lot of sexy looks from Kirk. Mm. Well, he's um he's kind of a, a little bit of a fanboy. It's like No, he doesn't know this guy from Adam. No, he doesn't. But fanboyish is how I would classify it because it's not deference, but it's also sort of like, you're so cool, you're a fighter pilot. Oh, no, it's like, I'm a sexy captain. Emmett. You're a sexy captain. Let's, <laughs> let's do the sexy captain. Yes. Um, it was not, I didn't get fanboy. What I got was I put myself immediately in the position of our fighter pilot who had beamed up. And I was like, if I were in this situation, this guy who came in is all like, hey, everything's cool. There's nothing weird going on. I was like, (laughs) Kirk is coming off as like suspicious and untrustworthy and super creepy right now. It's also sort of like, well, there's literally nothing you can do right now. So I'm going to be as nice as I. Feel like. And he was actually like, yeah, I'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. Yeah. I don't know. If I was abducted by that kind of alien, I wouldn't mind being probed. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. But look at even hanging on to that. So long. Actually, there's a lot of probe. This episode has a lot of probing in there's it. There's a couple of things I noticed about this bit. The probing? <laughs> the probing um, looks. Stop one, saying probing! One, was <laughs> it Captain John Christopher, probing. which is probing. his name. Probing. Stop. <laughs> Captain John Christopher, um, and he, he introduces himself with his, like, name, rank, and serial number, which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. precious, um, is that, well, okay, there's a note in the Memory Alpha article that this is the first time, and they never changed back because there was no way, is that he's beamed on board sitting down, but when he materializes, he's standing up. Maybe he was standing up in the plane. He, he demonstrably was, was not. Maybe it was rematerial or dematerializing around him. It's like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. I better flip the hood on this thing and take a jump. No. Um, also, that when he rematerializes, the the tube from his breathing mask has sort of been severed, and I assumed that was at the edge of the beam, but his gear vest and his harness are gone. (laughs) I am going to take a stab at this. Mm -hmm. He, the jet had dematerialized, Mm -hmm. and he was in his parachute. 
Yeah, the, the, the chute is attached to the seat. So if he had ejected, he would still have his harness. We don't need... Yes, don't I do know jets. that. I, I do Maybe know these that, These are special jets. These are future jets, even from this episode, but what these it, are future jets. But what it actually is is that Star Trek just decided, you know what? Screw all this. This is how we're going to do it. And it's how they continue to do it. Fine. But the most important thing is is that Kirk works the elevator eyes. Oh, also he gets soft lighting. He gets a really he gets sexy soft he lighting. He gets female there. guest stars soft lighting. Everyone gets yeah. sexy soft lighting. But like Kirk specifically, he goes and introduces himself to Captain Christopher and he's got female guest star soft lighting. It's I really so, <laughs> They do this thing in Star Trek where they do these weird shadows on the, the face, face except for the eyes. Yeah. Which makes it seem like there's about to have some sexy business going down. It does, it does. It's very strange. Like if yeah. it's there today, I would absolutely read it that way. Yeah, but Kim, you're absolutely right, is that Kirk is a coy bastard. Oh, yes. Who yeah. are you? All in good time, says Kirk. Yeah. Uh, Except, okay, so he's meeting someone from the past, and yeah. I, the, when we were watching this initially, I'm like, because Kirk basically walks on board and explains all of the cool things. Oh, like, no, he yeah. starts with the uh, guest be uh, Basically, guest. yeah. First, you're going to get undressed! <laughs> Surely, wow. like, we'll take you somewhere, you can get naked, and I'll give you something to wear. Yeah. Here's but my he ba- shirt. But he basically immediately starts giving him information about the future. And I'm like, and I wrote, are there really no rules against this? And then I remembered, no, there aren't yet, because all those rules were written for James Kirk. Okay, did he call it the United Space Probe Agency? Oh, yes, he did. There's a First of many probe. It's the United Earth Space Probe service no it's not a probe service <laughs> it um, is a probe service i don't think also i don't think that name was ever used again oh, no, it's, I the hope second, no. it's the second time but it was the last time yeah uh yeah i don't think we've ever heard it called no we don't they, they eventually do settle um <laughs> god a probe service yeah um, but basically, Kirk service. starts divulging important future space secrets, um, and also trying to impress Captain Christopher. Uh, yeah, so sure. they see a female oh yeah uh, officer go by, and there is like the sexiest trombone. Yeah, is it? Wah, 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 yeah, wah. and he does an actual double take and says, "A woman." There were women in the U.S. Air Force in the '60s. It's not like he'd uh, never seen a woman I in uniform. I did appreciate Kirk's response, which was an officer. <laughs> yeah. That I did appreciate. She's got rank insignia too, so she wasn't just a yeoman; she was an actual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, Kirk just starts like spilling the beans. Yeah, it's he, just, you he don't tells him how many ships there are in the fleet, for God's sake. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure, having seen all the war films I have, is a not no no list. I believe was be the word. So there are twelve ships like it, uh-huh. and he described. He talks about because <laughs> the United Earth Space Probe, whatever. But what Christopher picks up on is United Earth. Which is a huge deal for him, very obviously. Well, yeah, because they're in the middle of the Cold War, yeah. but apparently everyone got their stuff together. It's a combined service of, like, all the things. Force, whatever. Sure. And then Kirk is like, oh, you know what? We, we just came back from the future. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> left that out. Well, yeah. see, that was part of the problem with this episode was kind of like nothing is, because there really weren't any stakes set up like there was no they just gave in to everything really easily. they basically just were like well we're stuck here forever yeah basically well they're, they're like well we have to have a plan to get out of this terrible past um we can't be here it's awful it is awful 
It's true. Um, Kirk keeps saying, oh, you know, we're a spaceship, but, you know, like, the cool spaceships. Yes. And there are no little green men, and the turbo lift doors open, and there is Spock, who 100% looks like a human being. Except for the pointy ears. Yeah. But, yeah, actually, Chris, Christopher's the one that says that, because they, they take him to the bridge, and there are no really alien-looking aliens, at least not at this point, on the Enterprise, and... Yeah, they take him to the bridge. Like, come because, on, guys. as we have mentioned before, there is a problem with bridge security. <laughs> there clearly is. But he's looking around while Kirk's explaining to him basically how Starfleet works. And he's like, oh, well, I never really believe in little green men. And Spock walks off the turbo lift. And Christopher does another lovely double take. Spock is not little or no. green. Well, he's a little. They do use, he's like. a little bit green. A tiny yeah, bit green. Yeah, he's green on the Very faintly. Well, they do. They did use very, very subtle for the oh, sixties. Subtle so that you for the sixties. Most of what you see on everyone is like eyeliner. Oh, usually yeah. So eyeshadow. When you see purple eyeshadow. Sometimes though, when you see Spock next to say Kirk, who is very pink human being, um, he looks a little bit more green. But yeah, he's sure. Just because whatever. Kirk is so tan. Yeah. Um, Christopher is shockingly zen about all of this. He's just sort of looking around and smiling, and this is the coolest thing. Yeah, and then Kirk's like, what? Take, take a look around. Don't, don't just, touch just don't touch anything. <laughs> what? Well, I did really like that he goes back to look at stuff, and Ahura just starts, like, she's showing him around, and she's pointing stuff out, and at one point she's, like, giving him a visual tour yeah. of the ship and pointing out the features, like, look at the giant view screen over there. We yeah. use it to look at shit. And Spock is like, oh, we have to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> don't get too attacked. Do oh not get attacked. Well, Spock Do not is the first person to find a bond to this. We have to eliminate him. Yeah, Spock's the first person in this episode to go. Uh, but what if we fuck up the timeline? What if? No, what up if the we have? Yeah. So we have to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly what Uhura also is visibly checking him out. Uh, Christopher. Every time he looks away, her eyes drop down. He does have the sexiest lighting. Mm. And so Spock is pointing out the paradox that I I don't even know because this time stuff is so nonsense that because they kidnapped Christopher, he will know things about the future and so he can manipulate the future to his own advantage. And I think there are Spock episodes. Says, yeah, okay, because there's there's actually a callback in, in a Voyager in the Voyager episode. Um that Spock says, I'm not saying that this guy would technically he kind of is. But like he's been aboard Less five minutes. Scrupulous a, an unscrupulous man could take knowledge of the future and irreparably damage the timeline, which is exactly what happens in, in the Voyager episode. Sort of, yeah. An unscrupulous person gets information about the future and uses it to change the past. Like in Back to the Future 2. Also that. Never seen that one. What? <laughs> I've Have you seen Back to the Future? Maybe once she has a child. I... Stop looking at me like that. It's freaking me out. Anyway. I don't understand. I about cars. Oh. 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 There is one car. And that car goes back to the future. Yes, so it's about a car. Oh, dear. Can we move on about my pop culture shortcomings? And on to the sexy computer voice. This is a huge one. So but we are going to go. Provide back. me with a copy and I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm not your dealer. <laughs> you have the public library. So Kirk says logic can be most annoying, especially when it's causing me to murder people that I would much rather. I don't think their plan is to murder him. It's just kids. to keep him hostage on the ship for the rest of his life. Yeah, sure. 
So Kirk sashes over and says, your flight suit must be uncomfortable. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's have you change to something a little bit more comfortable. No, that is exactly what I took out of that. Kirk's okay. like, how do I get him out of his clothes as fast as possible? And into my clothes, which he does because he yes. is the quartermaster. Which is the first time we hear about the quartermaster. I'm going to guess last. Um, sets him up into a command level shirt. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole thing about it, actually. Couldn't he just go with, like, a plain tunic with no decoration? No, no, there's a whole reasoning behind it. Um, he's given, uh, first he's given the gold... Division, gold command division, right? Because yeah. he is he's an officer. Um, in the past? Yeah. No, <laughs> he's still a military officer, and they're trying to give him stuff that's con- consistent with his actual rank. Um, so his uh, it's gold command division color consistent with his position as a pilot. Um, his rating is shown on the flight suit. The original flight suit is senior pilot, so he's commander. Um, the rank braid on his sleeve is that of lieutenant equivalent to his captain's rank, although he's credited as Major Christopher since it is common on real-world ships with officers holding the rank of captain to be referred to as major because the only person on a ship is referred to as captain is the captain, even if your rank is. I'm sorry, this entire thing is nonsensical. No. You may be an officer in the U.S. Air Force in 1969. He is not an officer on this ship, and he should not be given anything even looking like a rank or place in the command well, structure. Technically, they all have no rank because they're from the future. Yeah. So they have rank on their ship within their established right, command but structure. they're not in their time period, so technically none oh, of them have rank either. Oh, this is so stupid. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a nice little sign of respect. Yes, and they sit down at the most uncomfortable triangular conference table of all time, which oh, just yes. leads you to believe that things are the same in the future as in oh, the yes. present. And then the sexy computer voice comes on. Oh, I love the sexy computer voice. So there's a whole story behind the sexy computer voice. Of course, the sexy computer voice is just Majel Barrett speaking in a slightly more sexy voice than usual. Mm-hmm. I thought it was delightful. I thought this was it the was. cutest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have just done an overhaul on a planet that is um, a matriarchy, basically. And they decided that the ship's computer needed more personality, so they gave it one. And it keeps sexually harassing Kirk. Well, like I was, I was thinking about this. I'm like, why is this happening? What is going on? And I was like, oh no, it's a planet full of lady computer techs who decided to irritate Kirk. Yeah, like, basically. I love them all. <laughs> they are my heroes. All right, people producing the next Star Trek. <laughs> Could we have the story of the ladies of Signet fourteen? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. So Kirk sits them down to have the conversation. Sorry. You can never go home. You, you're with us now. Yeah. And uh, Christopher decides to fight the future. Mm-hmm. Eh, eh, sure, eh, sure. Eh. That's an X-Files reference to the X-Files. Y- yes, yes. Yeah. Um, because Spock explains to him, well, if we send you back, you might accidentally change the future. And he, he's like, Christopher's like, okay, but my randomly disappearing into the sky might change things too. And Spock says, well, I looked into the historical record. And you're unimportant. There is, <laughs> you have no relevant contribution. <laughs> I would love to see the scale of relevance, like how you decide whether or not someone's contribution. Because I bet you it involves math. I get, It's probably just if you end up in like space Wikipedia. Yes, probably. <laughs> well, they do go through their computer databases. I think that's kind of what he did. He did a control F. Basically, <laughs> yes. John... And- Christopher. And Christopher's like, what about my wife and two kids? And they're like, oh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Scotty's down, and apparently jerry-rigged is still an expression. Yeah. Jerry-rigged? Yeah. In the future, we're... We hear it a, bunch, a couple of other times in later series, so yeah. It's very strange. Survived. And Scotty says, 
yeah, we can definitely get the engines up and running in four hours, but <laughs> I'm still in the terrible. But past. where to go? Yeah, <laughs> and where would we even go? It was a valid point. It was. Um, and Christopher is delighted by this. He's like, Honey, I can't go home at night. You're a prisoner in time. <laughs> Which I would argue is a better episode than Tomorrow Was Yesterday. Prisoner in Time? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good name. That would have been a great title for yeah, this episode. Title. Yeah. So Kirk has a sass off with his computer. It makes it cry. He has a lot of archaeological stuff in his he office. He does, yeah. Office bedroom. <gasps> he invited Christopher Dad to his bedroom, didn't he? Kind of. Well, his office is his bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> At which point Spock calls him up again and says, I need to see you and Captain Christopher uh, again, except he's missing. No, he's escaped because yeah. of course he escaped. Yeah, of course he escaped. He left him undercom- like un- unoccupied for like two seconds. Of course he escaped. Of course he's been escaped. Then the head of security immediately gets rolled by this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was so was bad. It, I don't know if the head of security, but like any security guard really easily taken down. Not it very professional. Was, he, I didn't even think he laid hands on him. No, he just sort of walked into him and he fell down. Yeah, and so um, Christopher is trying to go to the transporter, mm-hmm. and he kind of gets into the transporter, and then Kirk just slaps him around like a bag of flour. And he punches him out, basically. It's yeah. Terrible. Takes about a second. Yeah. Kirk has, like, fists of fury in this episode. <laughs> he is, like, the strongest man ever. It's not exactly that he's strong. It's that he's, like, he bounces, he weaves, he jumps, he dives. He throws himself bodily He swings from the ceiling. We killed Kareem. <laughs> I love his Sparta fighting style so much, which can only be described as, like, to Kirk. <laughs> so I Kirked myself at <laughs> Which just, apparently was, like, taking three giant steps and then just Throwing yourself horizontally at their middle. Yeah. And then, I don't know how you would even get out of this. <laughs> he bowls himself at them. Yeah, yeah he does. That's a very good way of describing it. Oh. It's so good. So McCoy, at this point, yeah, is starting to freaking in. out about, guys, there's 430 people here. What are we going to do? Just wait until we run into stuff and fall out of the sky? Yeah. Which is a good point. I mean, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. Like, that's what he says. Um, sending Christopher back would be disastrous because he might change the future, but there's 430 of us. That's 430 chances to screw up the future. So Spock says, My God, that's almost logical. But with less expression. <laughs> Kirk actually says, You sound like Spock. And Bowen says, If you're going to be nasty, I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah, he likes it nasty. Anyways, oh, so Spock oh kind of goes over his calculations. Oh, yeah, so that thing I was going to tell you. He goes over a further Google search. And apparently, it was a poor choice of words to say that Christopher made no relevant contributions to yeah. anything. Christopher's still pissed off about that, by the way. Because apparently his offspring, he's going to have a son oh, yeah. that will head a probe. Okay, so he proceeds to give him, like, the life history, the entire life history of his unborn son, by Which the way. Which is crazy! Yeah. Um, his name is Sean Jeffrey Christopher, who will lead the first Saturn mission. No, the Earth-Saturn probe. Whatever. Probe. They call probe, them all probes. Probe. It's a mission. Stop saying. Um, and I'm sitting here listening to him give him all this information. I'm like, good job not contaminating the timeline, Spock. Here's the thing: if I had been Christopher, I would have got my tubes tied just to spite him. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted to go to space because remember he 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 applied he to the applied for the space program. program and then he was rejected. Yeah, he wasn't space enough. So, but his mm-hmm. son, mm-hmm. and he keeps talking. Oh my boys, I'm gonna have a son. 
But apparently his daughters are totally around. Apparently just not good enough. Yeah. All he has so far are crappy girls. It was like, everybody was like really pumped that he was going to bang his wife and get her pregnant. Like, (laughs) dude, calm down. So they start brain, sort of brainstorming. How are we going to like send him back? We crushed his jet with a space laser. Surely someone's going to notice that. And they're like, okay, we just use like sunbeams or weather balloons, the normal things. And I didn't realize Roswell happened in 1947. Yeah. So there was a concept of popular imagination. There's already a UFO conspiracy. Aliens. Um, Yeah. And he says, oh, by the way, sorry, I took pictures of your ship too. And they probably recorded my entire radio conversation. It's way worse than you think. And Spock's like, well, no worries, guys. I did some more calculation with some variables, and we'll just reverse what we did and go back to our time. Mm -hmm. What? (laughs) Sure. Now, here's an important question. Um, Because the way that they resolve this uh, is that they go back and they make sure that it never happened. Why bother? So why bother? Because they they come up with this whole... Because Christopher's like, okay, so you're going to have to go into the base and get the evidence back. Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If they're just going to reverse time to the point where it never never happened, happened. just fucking do it. Yeah. I think it's because they piss around with, like, shenanigans in the base. Well, I think the shenanigans are because... I like some shenanigans. (laughs) I hate you. I hate this episode. I hate this podcast. I think the whole thing is that they need to figure out a way to get Christopher back but that still doesn't matter they don't need the heist because if they succeed in doing everything the way they think they will the the evidence never happened in the first place they do this because they needed to fill another 30 minutes of time i think it's because they have two competing streams of time travel one where no matter what's happened happens and one that's just like reversing the clock like rewinding the vcr yeah because i don't think that they had really internalized the fact that they were just going to rewind the clock to the point where it never happened they were just okay so we'll get rid of the evidence and then we'll go back in time but that hadn't really accounted for okay but what are you going to do about christopher oh and by the way this other guy you're going to kidnap because you have a kidnapping problem and then they got to the end of the episode and they were like "Ooh, okay i guess we'll go back in time and oh hey we can just erase their memories It'll be well cool. it's not that they erase their memories it's no. that the events that happened never happened yeah so why bother to go get the evidence when, in fact, none of it's going to happen at all? And I don't think that it had occurred to them when they made this heist plan. It's they just very, really but it's also to do strange it. because when they're doing their weird slingshot around the sun, yeah, they also have to beam them back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it makes no sense. But why? Because it's not going to have happened. He should just like loop out. Well, that's never the way that they do it in Star Trek, though. Because once you're out of the time stream, you are out of the time stream. So you have and- to be put back in. But the yeah. person who's put back in is not him. Or it is him. Or is well, it him? The version that they create by taking him off of the jet never exists. Oh my god, this is the I know, I know. Again. And this isn't this is way before they have like a this is how time travel works in the Star Trek universe, like Bible, because later on they're pretty consistent about how changing time works. Janeway has a quote in one of the time travel episodes that they do on Voyager and she says just along the lines of like, I hate time travel, the past is the future, the future, future is, is the past. past. It all gives me a headache. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, but they, I don't think they had done it enough at this point that they had figured out in their head how the mechanics for this universe no, work. No, they definitely haven't. This is definitely, like I said, this is sort of, it feels like the bones are the starting yeah. place from whence all other Star, Star Trek, Trek time, time travel springs. Yeah, and they get, they get better at it. They do. They get they better. They get, get much clever. better at it. But this is very much an early an early attempt, and they hadn't really worked it out. And I think 
that the beaming them back to overwrite the versions that whatever was like a last minute contribution. It's like, hey, wouldn't this be cool? Yeah, it's cool, but it makes no sense with what you've already done. No, it's stupid. So, but what they actually do is they plan a heist. Not a very good no, one. a really clumsy heist because, hey, well, uh, Christopher wants to go with them. And at this point, they're like, no, you can't. It's too risky. You have to survive so that you can have babies. Just the one baby. Just the one baby. Your other two babies are um, irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. They make no measurable contributions. Yeah. So Christopher's like, oh, but you need my help. You need to send me back because um, you'll beam down somewhere not good. Mm. I'll draw you a map. He'll sketch it. Yeah. What? No idea. Space paper? Space paper. Space paper? Well, they got all those space faxes. Space tablet. Anyway, um, so they Kirk and Sulu beam down in their extremely inconspicuous future uniforms. You couldn't find a fucking coverall somewhere on the ship. I know you have coveralls. They could have worn something gray or something. They could have just gone in there bl- yeah. black underoos. Or they could yeah. have tried to replicate a, some kind of military. This was stupid. This was stupid. It's like you stand out like an actual sore thumb. There is no disguise. This is a no. very bad heist. Yeah, well, it's sort of... Yeah, it is a terrible, terrible heist. They are bad at heists. Apparently the Air Force decorates with bulletin boards. And mm-hmm. water fountains. Mm-hmm. And basically and Kirk statue stops. displays. Yeah. Kirk stopped to touch, like, all of the things, like a disobedient kid in a museum. Making sure to put his fingerprints on everything. and thus Which will really confuse people around. someday. Yeah. Um, and they find the office where all the evidence is being housed. It looks like a high school. Yeah. It does. Anyone else bit. saw that? The, the weird the trophy wall, case. Like the, high school, the weird trophy case. Apparently yeah. some of the trophies were, like, specially designed. Yeah. They all look like nonsense. They all. Yeah. Well, trophies generally do. Um, and they break into the office where the audio tapes are being kept. The Office of Statistical Surveys. The Statistical Services Division of the 498th Air Base Group. So then Kirk Sonic screwdrivers the door open. Because why not? They no. use that device one other time, and I can't remember it does all, It's a sonic screwdriver Basically, slash yeah. uh, flashlight. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, a primitive computer, which is running on, like, tapes. Yeah. yeah. That's really crazy. primitive. Yeah. And it makes the devil's own noise when you start it. Apparently, Sulu spent a lot of time in the historical computer. You know museum. what? I believe that of Sulu. So they have to steal the tapes in Sulu's Mary Poppins bag. Here's okay. As many reels like, as possible. I would like to pause and offer criticism on this already pretty shitty heist. You couldn't just bring a fucking magnet and degauss the tapes. It would have taken you three seconds, and you wouldn't have to carry giant tapes. Why not just bomb the entire force? Because you're gonna erase time. Well, anyway. it would have been so much more inconspicuous. It's like, uh oh, oh dear, the tapes are demagnetized. Damn. Instead, they're missing, which is, like, kind of a red flag. Well, it means that someone broke into a yeah. Air Force base. As opposed to, oops, degaussed. Like, think Again, this through. They should have just lit everything on fire. When that guy, <laughs> Beret, I don't think we get a name. I'm just going to call him Beret comes in. We get his rank. I don't know if we get his name. He has an amazing Beret and a pistol. Not a gun, a pistol. Yeah. yeah. And he, t- he immediately says, hand over your belt. And it was, I thought it was going to go in a very different direction. <laughs> this entire episode is like the opening five minutes of a porno. A little bit, yeah. Hand over your belts. Your Velcro yeah. belts. Yeah, this guy basically walks in on them. Like, they're not even looking at the door. He doesn't, like, sneak up on them. He just walks in. And, okay. I think we've pretty much established in the previous 19 episodes that Kirk is no ninja. He really is not. Um, but this precipitates their first, their second kidnapping of the episode. Where he sort of messes around with their the he stuff he's got with belts. Him. Takes their belts. Why would you say, hey, give me your belt? Because it has all the tools attached yeah. to it. Why not say, give me your tools? Because <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> that's worse. And we're back in the porn. 
Um, and he opens a communicator, which somehow sets off an emergency signal. And the ship's like, oh, crap, the emergency signal. And beams the guy up, leaving Kirk and so, Solo on the If planet. I was writing the guide to transporting people, part of that manual would be to just make sure that you're beaming up the right person instead of just the person who happens to be holding the communicator. Well, at this point, I don't think they have any way of telling. Because they do not, but that is stupid. Just kind yeah. of say, ahoy, hoy. Later on, they do, but not in, in classic track. It's basically just down to the communicator. Um, yeah. And this sort of comedy music that I, was really the most noticeable for me is when they beam this guy up. And he's just frozen. Like, there's just like, isn't this hilarious music playing? And I did not like it. Fine. It was kind of funny, though, because amazing. he's just like, he's completely, he's just sort of, this guy beams up and he just stays. He goes into there. a catatonic state. Yeah, which is fair. And so Kirk and Sulu continue to alerty lurk. They go to the space photo developers. Oh, yeah, this guy, this guy they, that they second accidental kidnapping victim, they tell them to keep him in the transporter room. Again, they should have just cautioned him on the head. Yeah. So. I'm confused as to how you would get a flight camera in a jet plane. Wouldn't it be huge? Wind cameras. No. no. Wait, wait, hang on a second. I have a question. Yes, yeah. Kim. So there are pictures of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did the ship that they were not, or the jet plane that they were taking the photos from not explode? Well, I assume they recovered it from the wreckage. It didn't explode. It broke up. I think it's something like equivalent to a black box yeah. that they okay. would keep yeah. pretty protected just in case like you... Because Rusky just, shot them out of the sky. Yeah, film, oh, okay. is, film is surprisingly like durable. I will unless accept you uh, do a magnet or expose it to the sun. Or actually like, set it on I fire. I will accept this. I okay. was just like, wait, where do they get it from? But no, yeah. no, that makes sense. Yeah. Moving on. Very mm-hmm. good. So uh, Sulu goes to into the red room to look at some films, and then the dark her, room. The red room. <laughs> I know what I'm referencing. <laughs> Uh, and then Kirk stands outside, at which point a they couple more berets show up. They set up an alarm. And then a, apparently Gretch is going through the curtains. But anyhow, then a couple more berets show up, which leads to one of the, I'd say, greatest. Oh, I don't know. Every fight of I wrote this down favorite. as an eel fight. Because <laughs> a lot of it's just sort of like like airbender fighting, where he sort of dodges between them and hits them for me. He doesn't try anything else. He just launches himself like kamikaze style at these yeah. dudes. Just um, like flings himself across the room. Well I want to note that a lot of the hilariousness of this fight is because it's a distraction. At least partly it's a distraction because he shuts the door behind him so they don't see Sulu. They're curtains. <laughs> no, the there's, no there's a door too. There's, there's both. But anyways it is funny. No it's not supposed to be a distraction. I think he's actually trying to take these people out. But Kim is right. Um, as a fighting style it leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> yes well, it does. Almost. I mean sort of. No, he gets captured. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, but I think he was giving Sulu time to get away. It's a very strange fight. I mean, all of Kirk's fights are strange to watch. This one is especially strange because it's been very enclosed space. Yeah. And his technique is, to Kim's right, just essentially have an epilepsy fit at each of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And to use himself as a human oblong bowling ball. It's very strange. Yeah. I don't, I would really love to sit down with a choreographer or whether Shatner's just like, no, 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 no. I got this. You hear me. I'm a Shakespearean trained actor. I have fought <laughs> on stage with Stratford. I know business. <laughs> so you guys just stand over there and I'm going to do my thing. And you guys. So but Mr. Shatner, this is not a no, sword no, fight. No, 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 no. <laughs> this sword is my body. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Um, so. 
the Enterprise knows that he's been captured, probably. Yeah, by a guy who had a loaded gun aimed directly at his junk. Yeah. Yeah. Gun safety people. Mm-hmm. Junk safety people. Uh, but they can't locate him to beam him up without a communicator. And anyway, they can't beam him up because somebody might see him disappearing into thin air. I mean, we get this Wait. little interrogation scene, which is, we get a callback. Uh, both in 1969, the SU-1 episode. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. like that, right yeah. down to the sass, some of the wording in the sass. Yeah. And in fact, in the, 19, in the SU-1 episode, Jack actually introduces himself as James T. Kirk. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. His uh, eyeliner is smudged, which mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> smoky eye going on. It's some very good smoky eye. And... McCoy is very worried about Jim, and Jim's mm-hmm. having a lot of fun. He's got really just, like is. a giant smirk on his face. How'd you get in here? Time. You wouldn't believe me. I'm so funny. I popped out of air. <laughs> Which yeah. you did. It's true. Kirk gives I mean, no fuck. No, no, not at all. What is this uniform? Oh, just this little thing. Something I slipped on, <laughs> and apparently slipped <laughs> off when he met Christopher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's like, is this a uniform? <laughs> this little thing? It's just, oh, no. I love every second of this. It's good. And then, like, Lead Beret turns into Lemon Grab for the Revenge of Time. <laughs> 200 years, prison! <laughs> and Kirk says, that'd be just about right. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. He says he's a little green man from Alpha Centauri. Correct me if I'm wrong. Alpha Centauri is roughly where Romulus is. I thought Alpha Centauri was our business. I thought Alpha Centauri was Alpha Centauri is the nearest. The um, Alpha Centauri was more prominent in Babylon Five. No, because they mention it in um, in First Contact. Because they they're looking around to see if anybody in the nearest thing they're getting like space travel age signals from is Alpha Centauri, which I think is Romulus. No, I don't think so. It's some it's some big it's some big species. Maybe though. it's Vulcans. I don't think it's Vulcan. So Memory Alpha has a lot of information about Alpha Centauri. Um, basically, it's one of the first systems that humans. Uh, Settled. So Zephram Cochran moved there after uh, the warp engine test, and I think Leah Brahms was from there as well. So yeah, it's. I do wonder what is in Kirk's head though when he's saying, "You should, you should see it. It's a beautiful place." I'm just wondering what clubs he's thinking of. And then Christopher blackmails Spock to get back down to Earth. Yeah, because there's no other way for them to find Kirk. No, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Mm-hmm. Because of course he does. Yeah. The only important thing is that Bray uh, gets shown the replicators. Oh, oh, I love this. Okay. This was probably my favorite part of the entire yeah. episode. At this really? point, they're still calling yeah. them food synthesizers. But yeah, the first time we see a replicator in Star Trek. Yeah. So the transport guy's like, uh, hey, you, you mm-hmm. hungry? Yeah. He's like, I can go for some chicken soup. And then he puts the stupid little blocks in and out comes soup. Yeah. So we only see the replicator and the food synthesizer in two episodes of Classic Trek. Um, if you think about it, the transporter room's a really weird place for a replicator. But they need snacks, they yeah. can get puckish. But apparently it was for budget reasons. Um, because there were restrictions. There there was not enough money for this episode to, for the security officer to take this guy somewhere else to get a snack. So they decided to put a food synthesizer in the transporter room. I think it's an excellent idea. I think so too. Plus, you know, we got the replicator, which was excellent. Aren't the sets already built? What is costing money to move the action over to the commissary? Well, they have to pay people lounge. like move cameras. They have to pay actors. They have to, they pay, have to pay another extra. Probably yeah. with speaking lines, but yeah. they already got the transporter guy. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways. Yeah. Then comes this nonsense about 
the slingshot effect to move backward in time. Yeah. And Spock prefaces all of this by saying logically, which doesn't make any sense. There's no logic here. <laughs> no logic whatsoever. But they do have to go back to the future. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Too much singing. Yeah, so everyone's back on the ship. Uh, <laughs> I wrote the birth of an era when they were talking about the slingshot back in time. <laughs> Uh, this is also pretty clearly like a, a sort of a, a seed of the way that Stargate does time travel, aka um, you have to go around the sun, sending a wormhole through a solar flare. Sure, it's, like, it's not exactly the same, but it's clearly from the same sort of roots, which delights me. Yeah, and so they speed up <laughs> logically, logically, as we move faster and faster towards the sun, we'll begin to move backward in time. That doesn't make <laughs> any sense. I mean, I'm not a physicist, but I'm pretty sure that's insane. By just thinking about it, why would going towards the sun make you move back no, in time? It's, it's nonsensical, but you have to admit Star Trek committed to this because they do it over and over again. They did, and so they're going to Sling around the sun. And on our way. On our way, we're going to drop you off. (laughs) On our way, we're going to beam you back to where we kidnapped you from. Exactly. It never would have happened. And then we're going to stop and reverse Mm -hmm, our engines. mm -hmm. And that will push us forward in time. And apparently there's some concern that we will overshoot and end up even further in the future than we came from. Or, you know, explode. No big deal. This is nonsensical. It is. Um, and Christopher has a little moment where he's standing there and I never thought I'd make it into space. Well, as it turns out, you're never going to make it into space. <laughs> because you'll never remember any of this. No. So they're heading towards the sun. He looks back at Earth. He has his moment that he won't be an astronaut ever. Mm-hmm. And for no reason, we never see the sun. No. We're driving right for it. No. It's not a small There's thing. There's some really odd things happening with the effects of this. I, I assume, again, they ran out of money because as they are supposedly speeding up to incredible, impossible speeds towards the sun, and then when they turn back, the ship's barely, like, you see the ship against the field of stars. There's no, like, light. No sun. No anything. It's just the model of the ship vaguely wobbling in the middle of the screen. It's amazing. And so the, the chronometer, because apparently they have something that tells them what, what, day, year it is. what day and year it is, yeah. starts going backwards. Yeah. Let me just reiterate, because they are going quickly towards the sun. This also makes no <sighs> sense at all, because inside the ship, there should be no difference, because they are, you know, the thing that is moving through time. The chronometer should not be changing. But the chronometer is measuring what time it is inside of the ship. Yeah, but that would also physically affect everyone inside the ship, if that were true. So it makes no sense at all. None of this makes any sense, no, and I refuse to spend any time yeah. trying to figure it so out. So if, if the chronometer inside it's the ship... that is actually then, back in the past. Then at the very least... aging or decreasing... Or their memories or something. Something should be happening to them. Maybe it, it measures, like, outside in the stars sure. what time sure. it is. Sure, why not? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the only okay. thing that makes sense. And um, Kirk says, as he's about to beam Christopher down, you've only got 15 years left. Better make them count. <laughs> Oi! Yeah. Wow. And then it's a countdown to amazing poses. Mm-hmm. So when they 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 get Christopher over to the transporter where he's going to beam down at exactly the right moment. Yeah. To beam back to his ship before he sees the Enterprise. 
Again, that doesn't make any sense because no, he no. goes down first. It's kind of like they beam. It's almost like they overwrite original timeline. Except that makes no sense because if they have overwritten original timeline Christopher with new timeline Christopher, then he would remember, but he yes, doesn't. So it exactly. makes no sense at all. None at all. And why do they go? Okay, so the tr- the regular chronology is Christopher and then Beret. Yeah, and then we go background. We're we we're going backwards in time, but so you drop Beret off first. We don't actually see no, that. No, no, they drop Christopher off and they then drop, they drop Beret because what happens is that they speed up towards the sun, so they go back in time, then they start backing up, so they're going forward in time. No, they swing yeah. around the sun, and then they go forward in time. But yeah, so they get far enough back in time that they have like to return Captain Christopher first, okay. and then return Beret, and it makes no sense, and it's terrible. But okay, also, why um, would Beret be even prowling the corridors? Because there's no intruder yes, there. exactly. Yeah. Also, Christopher knows exactly where the PA's button is for the entire ship to say goodbye to Kirk. Yeah. And it is 100%. You know the, the only pursuit. way that the beaming back thing could make any sense at all? Yeah. Because once you remove someone, this is the Star Trek conceit of time travel. Once you remove someone from the timeline, they're out of the timeline. So if you are going back in time to a point where whatever happened to bring him onto the ship never happened, then you would have two Christophers. And either, yeah, but it's the prestige. It overrides the one who was there. Yeah, but you would still have the, the one memories, that you took. Yeah. No, you would physically still have the one that you took. Um, and the other one would continue on that alternate whatever. But, but that's, the only that's, way... That's, that's the tree or stream version pants of time. Pants of time. Yeah, it's pants yeah. of time. Like, but I even didn't... inside the, the Star Trek version, yeah. we've had we've had duplicates a couple of other times. Yes. So the only way to actually tidy this up so that it never happened and there's no Christopher is to kill the one that you took. Yeah, they kill him. When they transport him back, Yeah. the other one... And this is completely like, unremarked upon. Because it's the prestige. It makes uh, sense. Well, it's the prestige. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, that Christopher is yeah, dead. That's the only way. Like, like He is killed yeah. by their time yeah. travel. For, and for then, fictional time travel, there's only two ways. If you've been pulled out of the timeline, either yeah. you keep two, yeah. or you get rid of the one that you changed. So, is that kind of sorry, suicide? man. Is that kind of suicide? I don't think so. Maybe he didn't know. What did he think would happen? They don't talk about it. I feel no, like I would they don't discuss have a conversation. It. We only get the bit that they've lost their memories of it after it happens. We see it, but they don't talk about it. it feels, it's not discussed. It feels like nothing in this episode was discussed on yeah. screen or off screen. Or behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine with me. Um, and so they just braked. And apparently once you break, once you're at the right time, sure. judging by your Space chronometer, which can measure what time it is, then they get to the right point, and uh, there's a very strange little wobble. <laughs> they can reach Star Trek control. The Enterprise is home. home. Yeah. So, yeah. Great episode. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to keep it romantic and not at all creepy like they were killing the guy, they would have just had him fade off screen. And then have the, the regular one fade in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I much prefer the idea that they just murdered, <laughs> dematerialize that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No problem. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, written by Dorothy Fontana. Oh, DC. Oh, my heart. <laughs> Kim, I'm. I really enjoyed this episode. I like the nonsense about time because it shows that they're really struggling as to what time travel is. And what yeah, they're they're clearly like thinking universe. about it. They just haven't really got it down yet. 
No, and slingshot around the sun is as good as explanation yeah, as any. Yeah. And, we and again, were, we wormhole through a solar flare. Sure, why not? And they committed to it, and they figured out their imaginary mechanics, and they stuck with it. Yeah. Like, they're really consistent once they figured out what the hell they're talking about. Um, some more interesting history facts about this episode. The day after this episode aired um, was the Apollo 1 capsule disaster, Ooh. where three astronauts lost their lives. Um the events of this particular episode, which are set in 69, happen from the point of view of the Enterprise crew a year before those of Assignment Earth. That's the other one with the cat, um, which takes place in 68. So they go back in time. They go back to the future. They go back in time again, and it's a year earlier. It's very strange. Um, Roger Perry, who played um, Captain Christopher, oh yeah, liked his Starfleet uniform so much, he asked DeForest Kelly if he could take it home with him. And DeForest Kelly basically said... Technically, no, but they're not going to say anything. Just fucking take it. They look so comfy. Yeah. He loved it so much. He stole it. Yeah. Yeah. He did not steal it. He, he didn't. It. No, that's right. He he didn't. He decided not to do it, and he regretted not taking it. That's true. I did definitely see Kirk's undershirt in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so a uh, life lesson that we can draw from this. Time travel sucks. I... Oh. Hmm. That's What's not yours? true. I actually love the time travel episodes. I Me just too. did not like this one. I do like this one quite a lot. Yeah. And I am really weak for stuff about the space program. So there was that too. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe don't tell people that they have no relevant contributions to history. That's me. Even if that it's you true. you have 15 years to win. <laughs> I think he was making a joke about like, he oh, only no. had 15 years to get to the transporter room. Because they were joked, they were 15 years away from the point where they had to beam him back. It was, but yeah. Sure. That's a mean thing to say. I mean, even if it's true, especially since the guy's already trapped on the Enterprise for the rest of his life. And about to kill himself. Yeah. It's like that moment in Outlander where Claire leads down to Randall and she's like, I curse you with the date of your death. (laughs) What's your life lesson? My life lesson would be to only have man children because women contribute nothing to history or society. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, performance of the episode, Kim. Uh, Planet of Lady Computer Programmers. <laughs> uh, Ari? Uh, Roger Perry. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't think he did a bad job. No, I really enjoyed him a great deal. I, I always really enjoy the guest stars in the go back to the contemporary time period episodes mm-hmm. and the, you know, sort of contemporary within a couple of centuries of us episodes. I always really enjoy them because they're always really clearly quite well thought out. Like, they gave a lot of thought to Captain Christopher and, and what he was like, and, I mean, maybe Perry did, but, like, they're never just random people. They clearly have whole lives and backstories, sometimes more than the uh, regular cast. <laughs> I would definitely agree that he did a really good job. Way too chill about being on a spaceship, though. I don't know. I mean, would you not have a moment of just, like... I think I'd be really excited. That was part of the problem with this episode, is everybody was too chill about everything. Yeah. I think you have to put it into context that it's a post-Roswell world where they had this concept of aliens, but they also had the concept of this foreign power that had technology they didn't understand. So things about the Russian space program. Mm -hmm. They knew that they were much more advanced than the American ones, um, as far as they knew. So the idea of someone having technology that was far beyond their ken, Mm -hmm. I think was very real. Yeah, that there are these kind of strange things out there that we, we don't have. I also feel like, um, because the, on, the the only other comparison I can think of is, oh, I forget her name, the cetacean biologist in Voyage Home. 
what's her face, who was the oh, monk yeah. on Seventh Heaven. Yeah, yeah. She does not take it so chill. But no. she's not an Air Force pilot who was applying for the astronaut program. And I feel like that gave him a little bit more chill than a regular person or even a regular scientist would have. Because she's pissed about this whole thing. Why are you screwing everything up? Yeah. Um, are you kidnapping me? Very reasonable reaction <laughs> in all counts. But he's, why are you kidnapping me? I mean, he's mad at first and he reacts in a very like pre-coded, like name rank serial number kind of way. But after that, he's excited. Like he's delighted by the Enterprise, even though he is really angry about what's happening to him. I think he also very much falls into the quasi-military yeah. aspect of Starfleet. Like, oh, you're the captain. I recognize the captain. Yes, I this recognize is your type. Yeah. Um, there are also women. several captain, captain, captain jokes, which I really enjoy. <laughs> I love a good wink. Um, I'm giving performance of the episode to Shatner again. I'm um, so surprised. Sure yeah, because he throws himself at three guys horizontally. Yeah. Horizontally. I don't even know how you would get like that. I assume they had like a little trampoline and he just kind of like. <laughs> Off screen. Yeah, and he kind of threw himself down on his side and then his he side bounced into those guys. <laughs> I honestly can't think of a way that your body would move that way, unless you were, like, a high jumper. So you're giving performance of the episode to Shatner for throwing himself into the role. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kareem. Yes, oh. I am, Kim. Oh, do we have any deaths? Uh, potentially two, depending on how, <laughs> depending on how you look at how it. How time travel works. Yeah. I, I'm going to give that two. I think they're, like, they killed themselves. Yeah, but... And replace those themselves versions, themselves. Yeah, and those versions never existed. So did they die because they weren't there in the they first place? died because they yeah. were killed by the actions of themselves. Yeah. But themselves continued along as though they had never died. And those versions, technically, in that timeline, never existed. So maybe four oh, people? Oh, it's complicated. Oh, my heaven. Maybe they killed that? two versions of themselves? This doesn't make any sense. Have yeah. the future. The future is the past. Tomorrow is yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Kim, I'm actually going to say four. I think four? you're right. Yeah. That they killed... They killed... The, the, the original version... Oh, my God. They killed the original <laughs> versions? They killed... Yeah. Replacement versions and created a new, completely new... Oh, my fifth and God. Sixth version? They killed... They killed themselves twice! Twice or not at all. It's really I'm confusing. getting a headache thinking Me about too. this. Oh, I'm with Jane. Wait, this is... I'm going death count of four. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Potential. I am. Alternate timeline birth. Ooh, my head hurts. Um, we had uh, three ladies and two people of color. Mm-hmm. The two people of color were Sulu and Ahura, of course. There wasn't a lot of background players. There wasn't. No. There, there wasn't was, a lot. Like I yeah. feel like the budget maybe is four getting or five. Little tight yeah. Here. yeah. Yeah. Um, even when you kind of walk around the Enterprise, there are not a lot of people. No. Not at all. No. Which is fair. Um. So I think that about wraps up. Tomorrow is yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank God. I think that everyone should immediately drop everything and go watch the 1969 episode of Stargate. Yes, because he loves this episode so much. Yeah, as as do apparently me and Ari, but mm-hmm. not Kim. I've seen it, I just don't remember it. There was a- I, I am vaguely aware I do remember them in a, like a VW van or something. Yes. Yes. I probably thought it was stupid. Oh, Kim. Oh, Kim. I know, you hate me. I'm the worst. I hope that our sighs are in stereo now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty exciting. So that about wraps up that epi- today's episode of Tomorrow is Yesterday. Uh, I've got a note from Ari that's being shoved in my face. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. If you like our episode or if you don't, 
if you don't, then just stop listening. Um, <laughs> go to iTunes and make sure to give us a rating of all the stars and Twitter, etc. <laughs> Someone needs to write more detailed production notes. But you know, Twitter, etc. Guys, Twitter, I think the etc. Et is a Tumblr, but it's all letters, and so I don't actually ever remember it. The Tumblr is really just reposted the episodes, so it's not that exciting. We do. Uh, Use well, not Kim. Kim's not on Twitter, I'm but not uh, on Twitter. Twitter. yeah, we we have a Twitter account for the podcast, and as well, uh, well, all that information's on the website actually, which is not so much the neutral zone.com. That's true. Oh, and Kim is going to be appearing in another podcast yes, in a couple, couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. So we'll pimp that the week it's out. Yeah, why don't, why don't you say so people can adjust their dials? Oh, yeah, you adjust your dials to the Thumpa Thumpa podcast, which is stop laughing at the name, it's very relevant. It is a queer as folk podcast. They're going through episode by episode, and I will be doing, um, I'll be helping Emmy with the recapping of episode six, which is very exciting. It's a good episode. It's got the, if you know Queer as Folk, and you know season one of Queer as Folk, it's the one with the art show. It's very, very good art show. That's so cryptic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Understood I, none my of hand went over my head just there, guys. None of those words. Nope. Um. But everyone should definitely go out and do some space probing tonight. Oh, God. No. Probe. No. No. Probe. No. Probe.